with carries of the covenant ministries faith bites and i want to thank you for taking out your busy schedule to be with us and i'm going to ask you to contact the medium by which you are hearing us and then also i'm going to add, i'm on i want to thank my partners and friends and loved ones who help us through their prayers through their love and their financial offerings help us carry out the mission that god has called us to i want to we're sharing about faithful prosperity and remember, we said our foundational truth was as a born again believer, we are redeemed from the curse of the law and are heirs to Abraham's blessing and God's promise, promise of prosperity. And one of our foundation scripture was Third uh, John 2. Beloved, I wish I desire above all things that you may prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. And, you know, I think from the very beginning of our faith bites, we've been sharing how we must renew our minds with the word of God. Because if we do not renew our minds with the word of God, the world or the age in which we live, it will compress us. It will form us and think like they do. You know, uh, there are different different trains or schools of thoughts. There are those who say you should be poor. Then, then there are those who say you should have just enough. Then there are those who say you can have more than enough. And then there are those who say you should have a whole lot. Well, the word of we, you, we, you and I, we need to see what the word of God says about prosperity. I know there's many people who uh, they 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 pick and choose what we what they should have or what they want as believers. There, uh, you know, I've heard people say this. Well, I thank the Lord that I have a reasonable portion of health. And as a kid, I used to wonder what is a reasonable portion of health. Does that mean you have one good leg, one bad leg, one good eye, one bad eye, a, a, a pain only in your left hand and none in your right? I didn't understand that. Then, you know, then there's some who says uh, the Lord will give me just what I need and no more. And then there's those who, you know, then there are those who always saying, if it's the Lord's will, I'll go home today. Uh, 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 you know, uh, uh, you know, I, I thank you, Lord. I have a peace of mind, you know, not a whole mind, but a peace of mind. I thank you, Lord. I have just enough. Uh, Lord, I thank you that I, I have I have a. Uh, 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 one pair of shoes and not two, you know, all sorts of things. You know, I know one of my, even before er, early in my Christian walk and reading the Bible, I saw that in Solomon's day, silver was thrown out in the trash. All they wanted was gold. And God didn't condemn them for throwing out the silver and just keeping the goal. The scripture says God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you can even ask or think. I like to throw in there, imagine. But see, if you have not renewed your mind with the word of God, your perceptions and your words about prosperity will be according to the age in which you live. 
I, uh, back during one of the economic downturns, I remember uh, I heard this article, uh, this new, it was on the news and they said uh, there were a lot of people who were wealthy or doing well that they were not dressing up into their, up to their norm because they didn't want people to look down on them because they had help. You know, it's amazing. The people, a, a number of people who talk about people who having wealth, excuse me, the, 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 a large number of the people who talk about people who have wealth are people who asked the people with wealth to give them some. Does that make sense? No, it does not make sense. Turn to Romans, I'm going to read Romans 5, 17. Since by one man's trespasses, death ruled through that one man, how much more will those who receive the overflowing of grace and the gift of righteousness, a right standing with God, rule in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Um, this is the Amplified. Well, if because of one man's trespass, talking about Adam, lapse, offense, death ruled through that one, much more surely with those who receive God's overflowing grace, unmerited favor, no limit, and the free gift of righteousness, putting them into right standing with himself, rule as kings in life. Through the one man, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. You know, we talked about, remember, we talked about condemnation. Well, see, once I got born again, I was no longer under any form of condemnation. Even when I miss it, and Brother Leroy misses it, I'm still don't have to live under that condemnation. Cause see, let's turn first John one nine. First John one nine is not to sinners. First John one nine is to believers. First John one nine. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So see, Unrighteousness or sin is missing the mark. So when we miss the mark, all we have to do is confess our sins. And you know, God is so. That scripture says, "Unmerited favor." I, I want to share this because I I had heard even after I got saved, a lot of people are talking about how, when you miss it. With all the gyrations, all the motions you have to go through, all the loops you have to go through, sackcloth and ashes. I had two examples. Change. I mean, it just they, they. Uh, when I was a carpenter, we used to, uh, we used to, we, we drive nails with a hammer, but there was a, a process we call clinching the nail, and so clinching the nail, you would you would hit the nail so hard it would go below the surface of the wood. And then you would turn that thing, turn the whatever you was nailing there, you would turn it over and you would take and beat, bend the nail. And then you would beat, beat that end of the nail, end of the nail down to where it was below the wood. And so virtually to pull something apart after you had clinched the nail, 
it was it was really hard because you had to actually straighten the nail out before you could pull the two pieces of wood together. So these two examples, I mean, the scripture clinched the nail, but the two examples that I have, uh, I'm going to share with you really double clinched the nail. But, but this, uh, this particular daughter of ours, she had done something. And uh, I, I just, I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't whip her. But boy, I mean, I gave her a stern, stern word. I said, you go in your room and you close that door and you stay in there until you're ready to ask me for forgiveness. All right. And before I could turn around, I'll say this daughter went in the room and before and I heard the door close. And before I could turn around, she came back out and I went to raise my hand and say, and the Spirit of God said, what did you tell her to do? And I heard myself say, go in your room, close the door, and don't come back out until you're ready to ask for forgiveness. And, I, and of course, in the Spirit, it was just, you know, just like boom. It was like, it seemed like a long time, but it wasn't. And, and the Spirit of God said, what did she do? And I saw, and it was like, it was replayed. She, she, what she did was she went in her room. She closed the door, turned around, and came out. But see, I was so used to hearing this religious thing about when you missed it with God, all the gyrations, all the sadness, all the tears, all the crawling on your knees, all the sackcloth and ashes, all the asking someone to pray for you, and, and the Lord, do all these different things before you be in right fellowship. But see, she obeyed what I said. And which instructions was go in the room, close the door, and come back out when you're ready to say you're sorry. That's what she did. With us, when we miss it, according to 1 John 1, 9, that's all it takes. Say, Father, I ask you in the name of Jesus, forgive me, I missed it. And one, okay, sure, another example. One time I was, I always used to try to uh, be really quiet before I, I, I and ministering churches is different than ministering in correctional institutions on a mission field. It's a lot more different. But I remember this one time, uh, my I was uh, trying to be quiet, and my wife just she just kept talking, she kept talking, she kept talking, she kept talking. I just said I couldn't bring my thoughts, and I spoke to her, not in a soft and gentle way, the way the scriptures, and and by and when I and I went up on the podium, and I didn't sense that peace that I should have sensed. And I said, Lord, I said, please forgive me for being abrupt with my wife, not talking to her peaceful and nice and gentle. And I said, as soon as I get, I, I get off this podium, I get through ministering, because uh, they had a protocol. Once you come up upon the podium, you didn't leave. I said, once I get done ministering, I'm going to go and ask her forgiveness. I sensed the spirit of God. As soon as I got off ministering, I went and told her I was sorry. Well, see, so the Bible says, and just use this, I can use the same principle. Across the board, the Bible says, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God that, and that God will not withhold and he will not. And he does not give you grudgingly. So there is nothing that God has that he will grudgingly give it to you. Grudgingly is not in his nature. Grudgingly should not be in our nature. I'm saying it again. Grudgingly is not in God's nature. Grudgingly is not in God's nature. 
there should be nothing grudgingly about us. And and remember, and I share sharing with you how Romans five seventeen talks about how Adam's offense. So I is nothing because it's, it's not because of what necessary what I've done that put me made me a sinner. It was the fact that I was born, because Adam caused all of us to come into the family of being out of fellowship with God. But what Jesus did with his death, burial, and resurrection, he placed us in a place where we no longer are not part of the family and that all that God has is mine. All, and so we're gonna, I'm gonna start reading. Uh, let's look at Matthew 7, 11. Matthew 7, 11. And this is a, a natural example, but God is revealing to us a spiritual principle. Matthew 7, 11. If you, as a, as a man, who are evil or natural born fleshly, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Here's a point. Hope prayerfully as you hear me, you will clench this in your spirit that God is not in control. So I'm going to read it again. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give good things to those who asked him? So my question, what are you asking God for? I, I, I remember I was somewhere and a person told me, uh, you know, I would, I would like a Cadillac. But, you know, God knows uh, I might not serve him if he gives me a Cadillac. So I'm going to pray for a Volkswagen. I have nothing against Volkswagen, but I do know this one time a friend of mine, we went to Chicago in the wintertime in a Volkswagen Rabbit. And I was I was so cold. I didn't get warm for hours. I don't think I got warm. I mean, we, wrap, we was wrapped up in a newspaper and cardboard and we was drinking hot coffee. We were stopping at every filler station to try to get warm. So nothing gets Volkswagens, but hey, I like Cadillacs. <laughs> you know, I like Escalades. That's what I like. But if you like trucks and you want a truck, ask God. You can ask God for a truck. If you want a Volkswagen, you can ask God for a Volkswagen. If you want a Bentley, you can ask God for a Bentley. God has nothing against him as long as those things don't control us. This, we're out of time. I love you. God loves you. And he has said that he has a good future for you. But will you ask and will you receive that good future? Until next time, remember you are loved by God and me.